afternoon. Block Talk with Tom Hayes calling from Boston, Massachusetts. And uh, our program's called Upbeat. It's been a little while since we've done this. And it's been a little while since Boston's done anything except win Super Bowls and be buried under snow. But today, I'm really excited to get back on track because uh, one of our favorite guests from the past and one of my best friends and somebody who's extremely interesting because not only because of the amazing talent she has, but also because of the kind of character and woman she is, and uh, she covers it all. She's not only uh, started a new profession, but she's an amazing mother, uh, great uh, great community leader and uh, fundraiser, and recently you've had some great personal developments. Rosemary Young from what part of Maine are we calling from today? Hancock, Maine. Hancock, Maine. I remember passing through there. Beautiful. God's country. How's your snow situation, Rosemary? Oh, we're, we're buried. We're buried pretty deep <laughs> over here. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, we, we're we, I am looking at it. I mean, looking at at least a 15-foot snowbank across the street. I do not doubt it at all. There's actually a sign uh, outside. I look outside my window, and each morning when I wake up, I'm wondering when the snow is going to cover it. I'd say there's probably another six inches, and that sign is going to be completely covered. Yeah, this is crazy. I, I can't remember a winter with this much snow. I I can't remember one probably when I was a little girl. Maybe the last time. Well, I you know, I've that. been saying that all day long, and everybody laughs at me and says that's because you were small. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's right. Well, yeah, I, I don't think that's true. Well, listen, you know, uh, other than giving weather reports. Um, it's been a while since we talked, and first of all, I, I guess it's okay if I give you your credits and your dues. You are um, all of those things that I mentioned, but also your special talent is that you are you're discovering more and more every day that you are indeed a medium. Yes, uh, an empath uh, medium. It's more uh, very uh, the sensitivity of feeling and emotion um, that comes through. Um, uh huh. So it's it's. Uh, that's it, one of the, the gifts, I guess I could say, that um, I've been bestowed <laughs> upon me. At times, it's a gift. At times, it's uh, very overwhelming. But, um, uh, yes, I, I've had those experiences within the past few years. Yeah, and now, lately, you've developed to the point where you're actually um, – not I don't, last time we talked, it was a, kind of a decision whether or not you would do it professionally. But you certainly are giving people sessions, and you are making contacts with uh, some of the deceased, et cetera. Uh, once, you know, before I mess this up, why don't you explain what's going on? Well, I I had a few uh, experiences there. Yes, uh, one few years ago. I won't go into complete detail, but um, we'll say it was a, a dear friend of my daughter's that. Had, uh, had passed, and uh, wow. I had, I had uh, not only through you know as, as they would say dreams. I'd say it's it's deeper than that that he came through, and also in um, as uh, people would call it visions. But I had spoken to you know people that knew him, knew him well, and when I mentioned that what had um, I want to say, I want to put it this way, what had come to mind. They said that that exactly, I'd hit the nail on the head. And it wow. was very emotional for me because, you know, I at first I'm thinking, okay, I'm, I'm, I've said this before, you know, people that have 
that have these experiences, first thought going through their head is, you know, hey, am I going crazy or what? But um, as as it's happened more and more, uh, no, uh, everyone, I think everyone on this earth, I have a belief that everyone has a gift. We all have one of these, you know, strong gifts, and neither we, um, let's say we, in, you know, open up to them or it, it comes to us in my case. I was around 20, 21 years old when it really came to me and it hit me hard. So, And then it just over the years got stronger. Well, and you said recently that it's getting even more you know, stronger every day now, right? Yes, yes. Uh, another experience I had um, helping. Uh, it's one thing. The thing with me is I, I want to help. I want to help people. You know, that's, you know, I, I, I can't, I wasn't able to speak to the person today, get their, uh, permission uh to use names or anything like that but i will say that there was uh, a a beloved pet that had gone missing and i just i meditated you know i i focused on the picture of the animal and i i um you know for a while i had different you know things coming to mind and when i contacted them and gave them you know what i told them what i had seen they contacted me just i want to say i want to say maybe Two weeks ago, so saying, I hit the nail on the head that that the the pet was found at the spot that I had seen, and the home that you know the person that I found it was the the color, the description, everything. I said, you know, it was a two story home. The color of it, um, they, you know, and the, and the vehicle the person drove, even you know the make of the vehicle. I said, you know, this is what I'm seeing. I said, you know, I can be wrong. I've said this many times. I said. You know, just like with everything, I I can be wrong. There can be times where maybe, you know, everybody has those days where it could be a little foggy. Well, you know, I say I, you know, and I, when I told her that, she said, "No, you you got everything right." And again, I was humbled, and it was an emotional thing for me again to have that experience. So, so how did you find out about the, it was a missing dog? Right? Is that right? Yes. Yes. And so, but I mean, how did you find out about the incident? Was it through a friend or? Well, they they had posted pictures online, and I saw the pictures. And, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, and I, you know, it was yes, a friend of mine. I and I spoke to them, and um, you know, I, of course, I was, you know, told them. I said I'd hope and pray that they find their pet, and that you know, I was going to think positive for them. And then all of a sudden, I just decided. I woke up one morning. I said, Well, I'm going to focus on this. I'm going to see what I can do if I can help. And sure enough, after a long meditation and after focusing on on the picture, um, I contacted them and said, "Well, this is you know this is what came through to me." And uh, sure enough, that's where they found him. Wow! So so you, you <laughs> now you're talking miles away. We're talking like way out in the Midwest, right? Even further. West. Uh, they they were from the Midwest. I think they moved at the time they were in the Midwest. Yes. And so, when this was just a few weeks ago, right? Yes. Okay, and so, from from Boston, um, or from, I'm sorry, East Coast, Maine, you uh, take this picture, you look at the picture, and you go into a meditation, and obviously, you know, I've taken enough meditation and done enough meditation for years, you know, that your brain waves actually change. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you go from a beta state to an alpha state, you know, to even deeper theater and whatever. And, and you know, as you and I know, even though there's tons of skeptics, 
there's all kinds of different dimensions that exist on different, and you're able to do different things at different uh, wavelengths of your brain. For example, sleep is, you know, when you reach, I think that's theta, uh, you know, you start to dream and um, delta, you even go deeper into, you know, you know, where things maybe like you're experiencing right now happen to certain, certain forms of ESP experiences. So, so you feel that that's a, cent- a central part of this to actually meditate? Yes. Or at least yeah, for you? Well, at times, you know, well, yes. The more, the more I meditate, the more I clear my mind, you know, clear my head. In fact, I meditated today before the show. Um, you know, it sets me at ease. I mean, there, there's all kinds. I've been doing a lot of reading up, of course, on meditation and for even for a few years now, you know, checking out websites a little bit here and there. Um you know, best. Uh, I mean, not only for this, but uh, to relieve of any anxieties, uh, any depressions. Uh, it even has helped me lose weight. So, um, you know, it's all it's the power of the mind. So that's well. Let's that's, let's talk about that first of all. You've had certainly a challenging life. I mean, do you want to go bring people back up to people who aren't familiar with you? Just go over, you know, in essence, what, what, what the experiences you've had with your daughter, uh, you know, some mm-hmm. of the financial challenges, uh, emotional challenges. So, I mean, this isn't, we're not just talking to somebody who, you know, wakes up one day with a gift to do a ESP. You, you've, you've had your trial by fire, let's say. I have, yes. Um, I'm definitely not a uh, stranger to adversity. Uh, my, uh, my youngest uh, was born, or she had NAPGAR of 10, as they say, it's supposed to be the perfect, you know, perfect score, and, you know, your child's going to excel and everything else. Well, you know, I, over time um, with her, watching her, you know, um, progress over the you know, over time, over the months, I noticed things just weren't, she wasn't really, you know, up to speed, so to speak, and when I had taken her in, uh, a nurse had said to take her to a specialist. When I took her in, they said it was Rett syndrome, R-E-T-T. And when they sent her blood to Boston, is where they sent it to, the Children's Hospital, they found out that, yes, she did have definitely a mutation of the Rett syndrome. Um, and she is immobile. She is in a wheelchair. She cannot talk. Uh, she can, Well, she's trying to talk. She's Certain words come out every now and then, but to be able to come right out and tell us, you know, I'm hungry or I'm tired, you know, she has to through certain sound, you know, cries, and at times uh, through eye gaze. That's been the biggest thing uh, lately within the past, I want to say past year to two years. We've been using eye gaze with her where, you know, we'll have certain things in front of her, and I'll ask her, well, what would you like next? And she'll look, you know, maybe she'll look at her drink. She'll want that. So, it's learning. It's learning a whole new way to communicate, uh, a whole new way to live. It's just, I want to say, when she was first diagnosed, um, I, I'll be honest, I was in a state of shock for a long time. I, um, I brought myself out of that and told myself, you know, I had to uh, step up and uh, be strong in order for her to, you know, be able to uh, hit any milestones. Well, you know, it's kind of interesting that you're bringing this up right now because I just—you must have heard of the movie, uh, The Theory of Everything. I've heard, I've heard the name. I haven't seen it, but I've heard the name of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's about it's about Stephen Hawking, the physicist, the 
you know, the international physicist who's written many books. And um, I don't know if he has cystic fibrosis or cerebral palsy or what, but he, uh, it's a motor neuron disease. And uh, he's, you know, been to- totally confined to a wheelchair and he has no muscle ability at all. And he uh, talks through a computer-generated screen. And in the movie, there's an intense scene where, you know, he goes so bad that the only way that he can... He he has to have a tracheotomy, so he can't even speak anymore. So the way that they communicate is exactly the way you said, through eye movement. Right. I... my, uh, My personal opinion of Stephen Hawking is he's... I want to say um, phenomenal. He is. I've started reading up, you know, reading things. Uh, I've been on a few websites, and uh, it just it really. It's the same with Rett syndrome. When we took her to the specialist, uh, he uh, he said that the girls with Rett, you know, their their intelligence could not be measured. There's just no possible way. And we know, even with Victoria, she's. She's very intelligent. You know, she knows what she wants. She, I'll, I'll break it down, making a long story short. Uh, these girls are um, pretty much imprisoned within themselves. You know, she knows what's going on. She is fully aware. She knows she can speak. She, she understands the words being said around her. She understands what's going on around her, and she's very sensitive to what's going on around her. So. You know, if that's just a thing of kind of breaking, being able to break out of that shell, being able to, to just connect that one little piece that you know will will let, allow her to be able to express herself. Do you think it'll ever lead to what you know Stephen Hawking came upon, some kind of voice synthesizer or computer that will enable to translate you know her thoughts into some kind of speech? Well, they they do have something called the TOBI, the T-O-B-I-I, eye gaze board, which is set up where they'll put pictures up of, um, say, I'll make it some, you know, like family members and things that uh, that the child or, or you know, the, even the adult uh, will like. And, you know, I've seen videos of it where they've asked, um, let's say, one of the girls with Rhett, you know, uh, what would you like to do next? And... They'll stare at the board and it'll say um, music, you know, song. They want to hear music, so you know that that's pretty much the they've got something there, and that's something I would love to look into for Victoria in the future. And right now, like I said, we're just we're using homemade eye gaze and and what we have, you know, in front of her, and um, and even reading her expressions is another thing. Wow. You know, <clears throat> lately, I don't, you know, you, we're all into certain phases of life, and obviously you've had, not, you know, and, and I'm holding back just a little bit here because there was even a more amazing development that you came out in. Your resilience uh, to all this adversity really, you know, speaks volumes. Uh, I recently read the, a book called The Boys in the Boat, and in that book, um, uh, you know, it was about rowing. It was a true story about a, the University of Washington team in 1936 that went to the Olympics and won in front of Hitler uh, when, of course, the Germans were supposed to sweep every award. But uh, it's an amazing story of life itself. And one of the quotes was that 
there was all these chapter headings, and it's that in rowing, the the real enemy is the water, because mm-hmm. the water is the resistance that you have to work through in order to move the boat. But they said just as the water is your resistance, uh, just as in life, uh, the water also supports you. And it's just exactly. as in life, your problems are your resistance, but they are also the thing that shapes and molds your character. And obviously, um, you know, with the trials and tribulations that you've had to go through, the love that you've had to give, the perseverance, the setbacks, all of this have obviously molded you into who you are today. Exactly. Um, I mean, from I, if I was to sit here and go into stories from um, my childhood up, I, we'd, uh, we'd go way over our time. But, you know, it, it's true. Um all the challenges we face, all all the hardships we go through, you know, it, it, it makes us stronger. What does not kill us makes us stronger. Um, and I do have my days. I do break down. You know, I've had my days where I've uh, I've felt, you know, I wish I could really do more. I, I want Victoria to be able to get up out of that chair and run around and you know, uh, make a mess just like any other kid does. And, um, you know, her older sister, you know, I had that with her older sister when she was growing up, and, uh, you know, I'm grateful for that. In fact, um, uh, she's, you know, she's a, Victoria's a major inspiration. She's been a big inspiration to her older sister. In fact, her sister went and received her CNA and her CRMA and is working, uh, to working up to be an RN and uh, wants to actually work with special needs children at some point in time in the medical field. And, wow. you know, it's just, oh, yes. And the compassion her sister has is just, uh, it has, she has quite an abundance. And she's, they even say where she works, that, you know, they call her the sweetheart, the sweetie. They love her. You know, all the, the residents want to hug her and everything because she just shows such a, such a great supply, such a great amount of warmth and compassion to everyone and she she got that from you know growing up with her little sister having Rhett and uh she's very accepting and she accepts everyone for who they are and that's another thing that you know like I said what comes with these challenges also comes with uh, um a great uh abundance of things to be grateful for and I I'm, I'm very grateful for what Victoria has taught me is that amazing the um I also was getting drawn to certain things, and a few years ago I saw a great movie called The Greatest Game Ever Played, and it was adapted from a book by a gentleman known as Mark Frost, and it was a true story of how uh, Francis were met in 1909 or 10 or something of that year, uh, made, really brought golf to the forefront of the American public in that he won the um, U.S. Open in a... Uh, battle with the two greatest professional golfers at the time uh, who were from England. And so I went on to read some more of his works, especially about golf, and I was just fascinated. And he led me to, uh, um, I'm just drawing a blank on on the particular um, golfer's name right now, but basically he starts off his book and says that he feels because he dealt with so much tragedy in his early years he saw he witnessed his father commit suicide and 
he and it was a whole childhood of poverty, etc. And he was just impassioned to play golf. And he said he felt bad for all of those privileged kids, those rich privileged kids, who never went through the adversity that he had gone through because they could never mold the character and have the perseverance or the steadfastness or the the drive that he got because he went through that phase in his life. And I hear that in exactly what you're saying about yourself. I hear it about your daughter, um, you know, and, you know, it, it's we all look at adversity as something to be avoided. We'd rather not have it. That's just part of human nature. But we tend to overlook, like the book says about the boat overcoming resistance of the water, that when you start to understand, and it's only recently that I've got an appreciation for the adversities that have come my way, is that you're right. If you make the conscious decision that you're going to move past them, you really, I mean, you have, it's like developing any muscle. You just are able to pull from that when you do meet challenges and obstacles. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, uh, you have, have a, a, a on a somewhat of a lighter side and a somewhat of an amazing side. I mean, and you actually, I have to tell you this, that your, your, um, your voice even sounds different since it's been a while since we spoke on the phone. But um, tell us physically what's going on. Physically? I Well, I've come a long way physically i'd say i've uh i well i'm so you know losing weight i do yoga pilates i meditate um you know being a, a bit of a health nut <laughs> trying to you know uh yeah. major label reader um yeah but you, you this, this is not something uh, you, 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 this was more recent this change in yourself right i'd say within the past year uh yeah yeah there and there's you know we've had We've gone through another another challenge where um, the home that we had built for Victoria, the one-story home, I had it going on for the longest time, is Victoria's hope for a one-story home, and um, which, you know, we lived in this home for almost a year. And uh, during that time, let's say we were talking about, you know, physical-wise, I was getting out walking a lot. That's something I, I started doing with, you know, a lot of power walking and all that and uh, getting outside and and enjoying uh, trails and, and such. But uh, the home that we had, had built, uh, unfortunately, the craftsmanship um, was not up to par, and there were quite a few um, things that were overlooked. The septic was not put in right, and that actually backed up into the house. We had to, uh, we definitely had to pack up ASAP and move uh, especially for Victoria's sake, uh, her part of her bedroom had gotten flooded, so we had wow. to leave. And I'm um, I'm grateful we had a place to come back to. We're actually at the previous residence. We're on the second story, but we're definitely making it. Uh, like I said, another another little challenge to get over here, but definitely, um, you know, we're we're getting we're getting by. We're doing everything we can each day to make sure she's, you know, getting to school and getting everything she needs and. Um, making the very best of it, as I can say. I guess I call myself a chronic optimist, and some people may even get, yeah, some people may even get a little bit irritated by that, but, well, sorry, that, that's their problem then, but it's, it's what I am, so. Uh. Well, I found recently that, um, 
you know, and I, I had heard this somewhere, and it started to make sense that, um, in fact, I heard it, it just come back to me a couple of weeks ago as well, um, that basically hope is really a, a, a senseless virtue. It doesn't make really any sense in the sense that uh, what hope does is it takes you away from the present or the now. And it says if you're if you don't like what's happening now, it'll change. It'll get better. But what you start to learn with a little bit of wisdom, no matter what coming comes your way, you start to embrace it for whatever it is at the moment. And exactly. it doesn't matter. So you're not hope. I think shifts your energy from what is happening now to hopefully something will change for the future. So you stop living in the now. And and that and immediately takes away from the ability to learn all the lessons of what is happening now, mm-hmm. um, and then in hopes that somehow it gets better. And you know that's mm-hmm. you know that's made a huge difference for me. Is that it is what it is. Whatever's coming your way at this moment is what it is, and you embrace it, obviously for, to the best you can at the moment, not worrying whether or not it's going to change how it's going to change because as we know and you know we've talked about it before it's not necessarily up to us that's right that's right just to let go and uh as as i sometimes say uh let the wave carry me and and just uh have faith in that and and for i can say for the moment uh that's sometimes that's the best right there because if if you think you know, you can't really think the past is, is done, the past is gone, so who has closed the door? Uh, but thinking too far ahead, it creates a lot of anxiety because, uh, you know, you start, you know, worrying about, okay, you know, what about this, what about that? It, it hasn't even manifested yet. It just the moment itself is the only thing that is real. So, yeah, that I fully That's agree right. on that one. That's right. Yeah. And, okay, so now... <laughs> we haven't even gotten, I guess it's just fun leaving the anticipation as the show goes on here. But what you've accomplished physically, <laughs> I hate to use the word huge, but it is huge. It's a, it's no small task what you've done. So tell people what, what you did in a year. In a year? Uh, are you speaking physical-wise as in, you know, health-wise, where, you know, just... Um... Yeah, your diet. Tell them about your diet. Oh, well, oh yes, yes. I lost, I lost well over fifty pounds, um, and that was no, you know, no, no pills, no shakes, no, no special this or that. Just cutting out, um, you know, the a lot of, uh, you know, no soda, no. Yeah, you know, if if I was to have potato chips, it would probably be like at a barbecue in the summertime, you know, have a little of this or that. But it, that's a major treat, anything like that. But it's mostly I cut out, you know, no red meat, um, no um, – I even – I've come to the point I don't really even like to eat chicken anymore. It's mostly fish or lean meats like turkey um, and uh, a lot of water and tea, occasional – occasional cup of decaf coffee. I don't really even really drink coffee that much anymore. And um like I said, no soft drinks, no no uh and the only sweets that we have are homemade. You know, I don't buy any store bought boxed anything. So, you know, if we have any in fact I had a cookie today that was of course homemade. Um 
And everything else is homemade. We make our own coffee creamer. We make, uh, and I make my own sauce. Of course, I was raised in an Italian restaurant. My father was full-blooded Italian. My mother, she's quite quite the culinary artist. So, you know, I I learned how to, um, you know, cook a lot of home just strictly from scratch and know what is in my food, you know, know what I'm eating. That's the biggest part. And, uh, you know, my portions, you know, my just kept making sure my portions were practical you know nothing you know there's a everything in moderation great well the fact that you lost 50 pounds i mean that's huge yes and, and you shocked. did it without like you said you didn't do it with on a in a fad or uh anything you just became well can i use the word conscious more conscious of what you were doing yes definitely conscious and um being confident in my choices you know, you know, when I go into the store, make sure that I always read the label, say, you know, not just for calorie or fat-wise, but the ingredients. What am I putting in my body? Right. You know, uh, so that that's very, very important. Well, I was, you know, as you know, we've talked about before, I had cancer when I was 13 and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I would get sick all the time. I was real sick as a kid. You know, I got all the stuff, the chicken pox, the measles, measles the blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, would get the flu whenever the flu was there. And I could count on being sick, you know, once a, a good for a solid week, whether it was colds or, you know, flu. Every year, I'd, a week of my life would be. And then somehow, somebody told me uh, about a book called Let's Eat Right to Keep Fit. And it was done by Adele Davis, who was the leading nutritionist at the time. And... That book absolutely changed my life because when I started to read and didn't understand that we weren't, you know, I mean, I have a master's degree from a leading university. So, you know, you take eight years of grammar, four years of high school, four more years of college, and then two more additional years. You know, you're looking at, what, eight, 16, 18 years of formal education. And guess what? We don't know how to eat. You know, we have a school system that puts us through and teaches you four basic four groups, food groups, but that's it. They don't teach you anything about blood sugar. They don't teach you anything about minerals. They don't teach you anything about, you know, vitamins and what they really do. They don't teach you anything about fiber versus non-fiber. Um, you know, and at the time I was working in hospitals, I was selling radiology film in hospitals, and I would be a... <laughs> I'd be, I'd be a, you know, just in horror... I'd be sitting on an elevator with a bunch of doctors and nurses at noontime, and they'd reach into their pockets and pull out a candy bar. Oh and my. that was their, because, and if you think of it, even with an IV, they're hooking you up basically to glucose to sugar. So that, you know, to them, that was all a laugh, because as long as the body was getting its sugar, you know, in order to function, get its blood sugar, whatever, they didn't look at the the importance of nutrition and the, the long-term effects. So that book taught me to do exactly what you're talking about now. Just reading, I read every label to see what the leading ingredients are and, you know, how much mm-hmm. whole fiber is in there versus not. And, you know, after that, I mean, yeah, do I still get sick? Yeah, I still get a cold or something occasionally. But, you know, it'll take years before I get a flu or, or anything else. In fact, I hadn't been to a doctor in 10 years. And, you know, I went back and he was like, how did you, you know, weren't you sick? I said, yeah, I had the flu three times over 10 years. I said, uh, you know, and so, 
so the fact that you lost 50 pounds, but it sounds to me more like you're incorporating that the meditation and the yoga and all of that is bringing about a certain level of consciousness in you that everything's changing in your life. It is, yes. Yeah, I look at things a lot differently now. Um, in fact, the te- uh, my temper, I had a horrible temper, temper at one point, and now I... Yeah, I just I surprise myself at times. That you know, yeah, I do get angry, you know, at times. But I, I, what I used to do, compared to now, I look back and you know, I wonder who that person. You know, I say, who was who was that person? You know, you look back at yourself, and and there's times when you, you know, ten years ago, I say, you know, I was, you know, I'm like a total stranger (laughs) then to myself now. it's just a lot of things have changed, and I, um, I, it's part of the empathy, I think, too, because I'm so sensitive to what's going on around me and and uh, you know, emotions and everything that uh, I, you know, I, I pretty much, and I take that into consideration, too, Um about you know what well, that's, you know I mean I'm, it's just, it's very to me it's you know it couldn't come at a better time uh, because I think it's you know when you I certainly can't see things from as you can you know I can't I haven't learned how to locate people and animals or contact the other side but you do you know I do have you know either I'm able to in the sense be a visionary and, and I'm also able to see things that most people who aren't conscious don't see. So and you know, I've meditated for years. I don't do it as much anymore because I've you know, tapped into a creative source that any time I take away from that is more of a loss for me. I mean and that's my connection with the spirit is you know, mm-hmm. being able to get into a zone and create amazing things. So I find the less the need to, to meditate. But there's also a great responsibility that comes with everything that you're talking about. Uh, and yeah, that, yeah. did you feel, now here's the thing, you, you, you spend time, anybody who does meditation or yoga or something is trying to find some methodology, something to what we're really all looking for, isn't it? To find out answers, to become more peaceful, to become to to reach dimensions that you don't normally reach from day to day activity, and you know to find yeah, exactly. answers. So now, at my experience is is that if you keep doing that, sooner or later, something kicks in. What I call a higher self, what we can call a force, what we can call a source, what we can call. But that part of us that is bigger than what our egos are, that kind of kicks in. It sounds to me like you reached a point where you said to yourself, enough. I'm not going to be overweight. I'm not going to eat the wrong things. I'm going to, I don't want to be angry. Um, And then when you started going down that road, then you even got more gifts, like your ability to, you know, be more psychic and more of a medium. Mm -hmm. Did you feel that, that you were, and and what's a key word that you said, that one of the main, my main mantras now is this letting go thing, that that's where your real power, and it's so opposite to what we're taught. We're taught to control, to, you know, (laughs) <laughs> manipulate to 
you know, somehow use force to get what we want. And and then, I I have to disagree. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, because exactly. you and I have yeah. done that. You come to the point, you know, you have your situation with your daughter. I mean, you, you're out of control right from the be, the beginning. You know, you, you I mean, here's, you know, you want to be a, a mother of a normal child, and all of a sudden something beyond your control happens to you, and you can only do so much. And then at some point, there has to be a shift, and did you feel that shift where you stopped struggling and maybe denying and resisting to where you just said, well, this is the way it is, and now I have to let go and let something higher direct and play this out? Exactly. Absolutely. And you, you hit that one because I I found that I was it was incapacitating me when I was trying to be too controlling of, you know, the situation. And because I also have, it was a dear friend of my father's, um, my father's best friend had said to me, you know, I was going to drive myself completely crazy trying to control things that I, I mean, that were just really out of my control. I could, you can, when you get up in the morning, you know really what you can control. I mean, on a on a practical level, and I yeah, was, I'm looking at I about was, I'm looking at about four feet of it out in front of me. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and a lot of people have found that they may have wanted to go to work today or school today, or whatever they want to do their plans, their shopping, their their yoga class, whatever, and <laughs> they they couldn't control that. So you either resist it and pout all day long, or you go out and you make a snowman. Exactly. Absolutely. That. Yeah. You you just hit something else too. Is is remaining a kid at heart. You said going out making a snowman. I I would love to go out and make a snow fort. I'd love to just you know, it's like I said, my <laughs> oldest. She's nineteen, but she still she still wouldn't mind. I'm sure she'd go outside with me on one of her days off and do it. But <laughs> That's that's another thing. Keeping yourself, you know, always remain a kid, you know, at heart. And so now let's let me just let's stay on this for a little bit. Now I'm a big fan of Stephen Jobs, especially since I go to Apple, you know, almost every day and spend four to five to eight hours a day there. And I see the legacy that somebody like Steve Jobs. Now he obviously was a visionary. Obviously was extremely intuitive. Obviously incredibly creative. And he talks about his inner voice, and he talks about his intuition. And do you want to talk about that a little bit? Definitely. So go ahead. You there? Oh, okay. Oh, sure. Um, okay, we're we're getting on the subject now of, uh, as you said, uh, listening to, okay, this is definitely what I have to say about this is, a lot of the time when people do open up and finally break that shell and say, okay, I'm going to go out, I'm I'm going to live my dream, I'm going to do this, they're going to have a very large handful of people who, you know, have followed, you know, been with them through their lives or, or say, a few years even that, you know, good friends that are going to look at them and say, you're crazy, you're nuts. Like you said, the inner voice. Listen to that inner voice. Don't listen to the outer ones. The outer ones are going to tell you, no, you're nuts. Don't do it. 
I that's why I said to be continued. Now, when you're a child and you want to, I'm trying to think of some of the, you know, funny stuff I did when I was a kid. Um, you know, now if I was to go and grab a sled and want to go screaming down a hill by myself with no one else, you know, people would be looking at me funny, you know. Uh, I'm not ashamed to say, hold on, I'm a 37-year-old woman. People would be going, she's nuts. You know, there's no she doesn't have any kids with her. He said, uh, paying attention to, to like I said, your intuition, your inner voice, your, uh, I say your spirit. Yeah, of course it is. I mean, you and I know that. Do you find, okay, so in just knowing you just for a short time, but seeing these big transformations, you know, your your psychic skills are getting better. You, 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 and you, in the way you attacked, the whole weight thing was not, again, through rigorous exercise. You did take walks and things like that, but it wasn't, uh, you know, go, going to Weight Watchers. It wasn't forcing. It wasn't watching your calories. It was just being more conscious. So now do you find that as you're going through life today versus in the past that who's running the show as far as you're concerned? Is it your ego or is it your inner voice? My inner voice. I... I say to um, banish, get rid of the ego. The ego's not going to, no. No, I, I, so, I, I mean, think. So, and that's that's the part, that's the leap, because, you know, we're all trained that, again, to go back to we'll be in control, you do the hard work, you do this, you make you make things happen. <clears throat> right. And, uh, you know, you're the master of your own destiny. And then all of a sudden when you start to understand that there is a part of you, this intuition, this spirit, that's bigger than you, that really is running the show. And then so you learn to let go and let go and trust that. The more you do that, the more it does take over, doesn't it? It does. It, it really so, I mean, does. What, uh, what I try to tell people, you know, when I get up in the morning or something else, I totally, my moves, my actions are almost always coming from that place of, what that voice is telling me to do. Just one moment. I had to check something here. Okay. Um, instinct. Like I said, your inner voice, the gut feeling. Uh, yep. Feeling it's, is the big word here. I think on, yep. when it comes to, to me, um, I, like I said, well, just besides the meditating um, I've you know I've done praying too, and I said you know to be guided by my my inner inner feelings, my inner voice to go in the right direction with everything. And as the you know for losing weight, it was yeah what I'm what I'm going what I'm uh, you know how I feel about eating something. I've had I've had a lot of I had a lot of digestive issues. I had surgery. Uh, um, so that that was part of it, I think, because I wasn't able to, um, you know, I wasn't able to eat the usual stuff I used to. And then after a while, my body got used to that. And so I, I would tell myself every day, you know, that, no, this isn't good. This isn't good for you to eat. This isn't good for you to eat. Or I would, even if I'm laying in bed going, no, not today. I'm not, I'm not doing it today. You know, the alarm's going off at 6 o'clock and I'm, saying, no, I just don't have the energy to get up and do it. I get up anyway. Because I tell myself, you know, by the time I get out to my spot and set my mat down, by that time I will have the energy to do it. 
Yeah, so, I always call it the five minute. Don't tell yourself you have to put a half an hour in. Tell yourself you're only going to put five minutes in. And then, of course, as you, you know, as you, once you get down, you don't want to get up because it feels so good. Exactly. Yeah, I, well, I, like I said, I come out and I just start. And before I know it, it's 45 minutes later and I'm I'm just ready and raring to go for the day. So. Yep. Uh, it's a, it is a great way. You know, I, I, this is such a great call. I could do this till <laughs> till midnight, but unfortunately, I, they're going to shut us off in a minute. Is there anything oh, in you want to? a minute because I was going to have someone call in. <laughs> well, let, there's there's no reason we can't do this tomorrow. So. Oh sure, definitely. Okay, so we can continue, but if you got about thirty seconds, how would you wrap this up? How would I wrap it up? Um, well, okay, I'll wrap it up this way. I think when I had contacted you, I said that. I was, you know, breaking out of another shell. I was tired of just, you know, holding it in and keeping it in. And I've had people telling me, you know, you could be helping people. I've had one person I consider my mentor who I contact every now.